0: So, the past few weeks, I have had the honor and privilege to help lead out in in the teen class, the teen Sabbath school class, and it's been a joy. But last week, specifically, I made the decision to do less talking and more listening. Um, So, a lot lot of what I'm going to talk about this morning um, comes from them really and some of the stuff that y'all gave me to to think about and and reflect upon so thank you for that and i want to start by asking a few questions have you anybody here have you ever put together any ikea furniture Um, (laughs) oh i can hear the grumbles and the oh (laughs) have you ever played with lego maybe put together a puzzle. You open up a a bag or a box, and you find some instructions, and along with those instructions are seemingly jumbled pieces, and there seems to be no rhyme or reason or unity until it's all put together. Our scripture reading today came from Acts 2.1. I just want to read that one more time. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. In the book of Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit never planned for the Christian movement to be one fueled by uniformity. For the Bible says that the disciples met in one place and were in one accord. But what does that mean exactly? What does that mean exactly? The original Greek language did not say that they met in one place and were in uniformity. The Greek word that is translated as one accord, it simply means harmony, harmony. It's the Greek word homothymidon, and it's used 12 times in the New Testament, 11 times in the book of Acts, and then one time in the book of Romans. And for all of you music aficionados out there, it's probably clear to you that harmony requires variation. Harmony requires variation. It requires differences. And yet, as each of these notes sound their unique tone, All at the same time, you have this melodious sound that rises up from different instruments. And we call it harmony. We call it beautiful. Now, continuing with this discussion of unity, let's look at a few more verses. Ephesians 4, 2 through 3, it says, With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Love is connected with unity. 1 Corinthians 1.10, it says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. The same mind. What exactly does this mean? 1 Peter 3, 8, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. And once again, this connection is made between unity and love. Compassion is at its core. Not just speaking and sharing, but also listening and empathizing. Specifically, though, being of one mind looks like this. Philippians 2, 2-3. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Being of one mind has to do with loving others, putting others' needs before our own, viewing others as better than ourselves. Sadly, this type of accord is is rarely seen in church settings, right? When you, you, you talk about churches, you talk about gathering places, And for some of us, it's a major joy. For others, it's a big struggle. There's a lot of baggage. There's a lot of scars. There are always judgments and and finger-pointing about those who maybe have different convictions or believe differently. We see different people and opinions as minds to change or arguments to win. Now, I want you to hold on to this idea, this concept of one mind, and just put it in your pocket. (laughs) We're going to come back to it in a little bit. But for now, let's focus on the Bible's teaching of unity and diversity. With diversity comes conflict. That's just the reality of the human condition. We can expect that. Conflicting ideologies clash and create waves in the world. Families are broken. Wars are fought. Lives are lost all because of differences of opinions and convictions. In recent years, a body of research has revealed that working and interacting with people who are different from you may challenge your brain to overcome its stale ways of thinking and sharpen its performance. When we live in echo chambers, And we only surround ourselves with people who believe just as we do, live just as we do, talk just as we do. We put ourselves in a rut. And and we can see this clearly. Ellie mentioned it, right? We, we, We might come together, gather together, worship together, hear about the gospel and the importance of spreading it. But then when we go out into the world, we don't have any connections with people. We don't know how to approach them. We don't know how to live alongside them, befriend them. I was recently having a conversation with Dr. Martin Hanna. He's a a seminary professor of systematic theology at Andrews University. And and we were discussing this, this need to try new things in ministry. And he shared a few quotes with me that I found interesting. Ellen White was one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist church and and she dealt with similar conversations and mindsets over a hundred years ago. And so when dealing with individuals that were resistant to change, to progress and trying new things, she said, new methods must be introduced. God's people must awake to the necessities of the time in which they are living. She also said, as field after field is entered, new methods and new plans will spring from new circumstances. And finally, and <laughs> this one's quite sobering, the prevailing monotony of the religious round of service in our churches needs to be disturbed The leaven of activity needs to be introduced that our church members may work along new lines and devise new methods. The Holy Spirit's power will move upon hearts when this dead, lifeless monotony is broken up. And many will begin to work in earnest who never before thought of being anything but idle spectators. So whether it's the changing of the times, the changing of circumstances, or just the need to shake up the monotony of the worship experience, she felt it was necessary to try new methods, new plans, new activities. And I know that for for all of us, change is hard, right? It's uncomfortable. It's not easy. But this is the way it's always been done, simply isn't a viable excuse. And the group that this type of mindset, but this is the way we've always done it, the group that this type of mindset seems to cause the most harm to is our young people. I've personally seen it more times than I can count in conversations like I had with our own young people just last week and again this morning it reminds me of how big a problem it really is changing times and diverse backgrounds calls for progress and change in how we worship and how we do ministry history too is filled with examples of how diverse groups diverse individuals with differing ideologies, skills, and personalities, came together to achieve powerful goals. The leaders of the team that first conquered Mount Everest, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norway, they're they're well known, but their entire team had an important role to play. Not only did their team have diverse nationalities, but it also had people diff- with differing professions, ranging from a schoolmaster to a soldier, a statistician, and even a director of a travel agency. The Wright brothers, credited with inventing, building, and flying the first airplane, had very different personalities. Wilbur Wright, he was, he was the quiet contemplative one, while Oliver Wright was impulsive, known to be mischievous in school. Over a period of about 1,500 years, the Bible was written on three different continents in three different languages by 40 people with diverse ages, genders, careers, cultures, beliefs, and gifts. Now, what do all these examples have in common, though? Different people, same goals. At the beginning of the sermon, I I questioned whether the Bible pushes uniformity, uniformity. There's a danger in, in making it so that these separate ideas of uniformity and unity are the same thing. Uniformity offers a pseudo-unity. After all, it is possible to build something, yes, even a ministry, on uniformity and call it unity, when in reality it's not unity at all. A church with uniformity gathers people from the same socioeconomic strata, the same cultural background, the same ethnicity, and have the same social aspiration. If the uniformity is based on something other than Christ, folks attend each week with people just like them, but they miss the joy of true Christian unity. Unity and diversity comes from seeking an opinion different than mine. Unity and diversity comes from celebrating the differences that make each of us who we are. Do you know how bored and sickened I would be if I looked out and all of y'all just looked just like me? <laughs> I mean, there there's a if, if you look around this sanctuary, there is some true beauty here, and I think it's a a glimpse of what heaven's gonna look like. Most of all, unity and diversity comes from taking our differences, and uniting them toward a powerful common goal, one that can create a positive ripple effect in the world. 1 Corinthians 12, four through six. Paul says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. In the same chapter, Paul continues a few verses later, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ears should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And then verses 17 and 18 If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. If God works through our diversity and has even made us this way, why do we try so hard to force each other to change. Take worship, for example. Some people dance and shout. Some raise their hands during praise and worship time. Some say amen. Others clap. Others are content to just sit quietly. But all of our hearts are set, hopefully, hopefully, all of our hearts are set on worship. We simply show it and experience it in different ways. And so when when I think about unity, when I think about the church that I love, I get frustrated when I I see certain uh, entire ministries built upon attacking the way that other people worship different styles of music, regardless of the spiritual and praiseworthy lyrics, as being unholy or irrelevant, irreverent. And over and over, when I talk to young people, this is one of their greatest struggles, their greatest issues. They share a special music in church, and the next thing they know, they get a a video sermon in their email from YouTube talking about how that music doesn't belong here. And again, the group that this type of judgmental attitude and negativity affects the most are our young people. And when I see it, it it fills me with a righteous anger and indignation. There are many ways to praise God, many, many ways to praise God, and it isn't our job or our place to condemn the convictions of other people when it comes to how they worship God. That's not a war I want to fight. I've seen churches. I know pastor friends who have had their churches torn apart because of music. Really? Torn apart because of music. We're all different, yes. We all have different likes. But God made us this way. He made us different. Some people see God in nature. Some through experiences. Other people. Or maybe they feel it through music. Some feel closest to God while reading the Bible or listening to a sermon. I don't think one way is more right than the other. The best way is whichever way speaks to your heart the most. Which way is going to lead you to seek out God the most, spend the most time with him, getting to know him? The fact that God created different ways to come to him highlights that he created people different and he's willing to reach them differently. He loves diversity. He loves diversity. Uniformity does not require grace, but unity does. To achieve uniformity, we simply need more rules, stricter enforcement. But unity requires grace. The ability to listen. The ability to... Maybe be uncomfortable when you're around other people. We only have Christian unity because Jesus clothes us in his righteousness. Though we deserve, to be rem- we, we deserve to remain clothed in our sins, that's the fact of the matter. But that's the beauty of grace. He loves all people, created all people, died for all people, and plans to populate heaven with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, as Revelation 5, 9 tells us. In fact, our unity is most pronounced when we are unified with people who are not like us because the source of our unity, Christ, is put on display. Do you remember that concept that I told you to put in your pocket? One mind, Being of one mind, here we can uncover its true meaning. Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. What is this one mind? this one mind that we are supposed to have. It is the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. What does the mind of Christ look like? It looks like laying aside what I feel I have a right to hold on to. It looks like humility and service. Ultimately, it looks like voluntary death for the sake of love. When we are humble, we don't necessarily have to agree. When we are humble, we don't necessarily have to hold the same opinion in order to get along. And don't think I'm up here just preaching at you and not preaching to myself. I think this is a struggle we all have from time to time. When we don't insist on holding on to what we feel is rightfully ours, we can get along just fine. We can be of the same mind even when we don't agree. We're not always gonna agree. The Bible does not say the world will know us to be Jesus' disciples by our theology, our music preference, or our diet. The Bible says in John 13, 35, I heard it, Ron, They will know us by our love for one another. And you know what's hard, though? It's hard to love people when you're not agreeing. It's hard to love someone when you're fighting with them. It's hard to love someone when maybe they aren't being loving back. But it's not in our ability to force love. It's not our job to do it. But if we let the Holy Spirit in, The Holy Spirit can work through any circumstance, any hurt, any scar, and help us to show love, to soften hearts, soften minds. If there's one takeaway this morning, just one takeaway that you get from this sermon, let it be this. Forced uniformity will never bring about spiritual unity. According to the scriptures that we read today, it is not our rules, policies, or even beliefs that unify us. It is our having the mind of Christ and our love for one another. Now, is there room for rules, policies, and theology within the Christian church? Of course, of course, but not when it comes to talking about unity. For that, we need Christ's Mine. We need Christ's love. A couple of weeks ago, Sarah and I were visiting at the Tally family's new home. And Jeannie and I having a similar love, we got into a conversation, a discussion about puzzles. Puzzles. You know, when you begin a puzzle, there are just all these pieces all over the place, different shapes, sizes, and colors jumbled pieces when they're scattered about it's it's hard to make out how they fit together how could they possibly work together what could they possibly have in common the thing they all have in common is the picture that they paint in our local church we have so many differences Different genders, different cultures, different theologies, different personalities, different spiritual gifts. Some of us are noses, some of us are eyes, some of us are toes. The way that we sometimes work together. I'd imagine the world looks at us and wonders how do all these jumbled pieces fit together? How do they work together? They look so different. Let us stop allowing our differences to separate us. Let us stop allowing our grudges to hold us back. Let us stop using our personal opinions and beliefs as weapons of warfare against our fellow saints, especially the younger ones. Instead, let us accept the mind of Christ. Let us start loving One another. Let us come together with with all of our jumbled pieces and create a beautiful picture of Christ for our world. If that is your wish, if that is your desire, will you just stand with me today? All y'all jumbled pieces, stand with me today. I'm already standing. I don't see Ellie. Okay. Normally, I, I would call up Ellie. I don't see him here right this second. If he, if, if he doesn't get back by the time of prayer, Brandon, could you fill in for him? I just wanna have someone else over here. Most of y'all are used to this, but if there's anybody, any guests that are maybe new here, um, I'm gonna have the closing prayer. And after I say amen, you who wish to be can be dismissed. But after that, I'm gonna step down over here and we'll have an elder on this other side as well. And it's just an invitation. If there's anybody here that has any specific needs, any specific requests, any specific burdens, maybe you have a tremendous praise that you want to share. We wanna give you that opportunity to come forward, we wanna listen to you. We wanna lift your petition, lift your praise up to the throne of God. So let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so different. Sometimes that can be a struggle for us. We all get caught up in it, butting heads, not getting along, bickering over things. And so, Lord, what we're asking right now is that you would give us not only the mind, but the eyes of Christ, that we would see each other in the way that you see us, beautiful, diverse, yet unified in a singular goal. We wanna know you better, we wanna represent you better, and we want to share your gospel message with the world. (laughs) It's not so complicated, as Janine said this morning, it's not as complicated as a Rubik's Cube. Salvation is easy. Lord, give us a boldness to share that with those who need to hear it. Lord, prepare us as a church, prepare us as a family to be a light in this community. Give us opportunities to share your love and your grace with others. Give us opportunities, not just to hear sermons or speak sermons in this church building, but to go out and live sermons every single day for your glory, for your honor. Lord, we give this all to you, knowing you're the only one that can solve these issues. But Lord, we believe that there is power in this prayer because we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen Amen and amen.